0: What's in store for your business this week at Staples?
1: Doing business like a CEO while saving like a CFO. Staples has all the supplies you need to run your business like a boss at prices that'll make your bookkeeper smile.
0: Now that is an achievement.
1: Everything from pens to brand spanking new calendars. And right now, 2019 desk pad calendars are just 4 dollars So get your business ready for a big year at Staples, where there's a whole lot in store. Valid on SKU 279-6207. Ends one twelve nineteen. 19 Welcome to Define You Radio. Class is in session with your host, The Southern Bell of Bold, Valencia Griffin Wallace. Are you ready to unapologetically build your confidence, achieve goals, and design a life worth living? Learn the life lessons and strategies to define your life, money, and business. Pens and papers ready? Class is now in session. Welcome to Define You Radio Classes and Session, where you get the tips, strategies, and life lessons from queens who have defined their life. I'm your host, the Southern Belle of Bold, Valencia Griffin Wallace. And if this is your first time catching Define You Radio, thank you so much for listening and welcome to the family. Make sure you follow and connect with the show on Blog Talk Radio and Define You Radio's Facebook page for updates and more. Class is always in session. Also, we are on countdown mode for Define You Live, taking place November 11th in the beautiful Houston, Texas, my adopted hometown. You can go to defineulive.com for more information On the speakers, the event, and everything This is our third annual event And it is time to crown up So, with that being said This month on Define You Radio We are discussing domestic violence Now, I know October, quote-unquote, is domestic violence month But we all know domestic violence is something that happens every day Every day, in fact, last show We discussed some of the alarming Statistics in which I will be giving You guys more statistics Today, and you guys have to bear with me For some reason, I'm a little tongue-tied So, um, tonight's show is With guest Tashikia Hunter She is one of the Best-selling authors of Transition, Ashes Emanating Beauty, and someone who has Her own experience in Domestic violence, so Let's welcome Tashikia to the show. Hey, Queen, how are you doing today?
0: Hey, how are you? I'm wonderful.
1: I'm doing great. I'm doing great. So why don't you tell the audience a little bit about you, just in case they didn't catch you last time you were on Define You Radio.
0: Hello, I am Tashikia Hunter. I am now one of the best-selling authors of Transitions, Ashes, Emanating Beauty, I am a courageous woman which I call it who have uh am a survivor of domestic violence, of divorce, of being a teenage mother and escaping the uh harshness and bitterness of being having to work in the streets <laughs> as a hmm. as um work in the clubs is what they call a stripper to try to make ends meet. Uh I think I just ought to share that tonight because that's where a lot of domestic violence do start at. And mm. also, I am a, um, I am just an all around just uh, every normal day woman that has uh, used my struggles as um, obstacles to overcome uh, in life, and I use them as not as being a victim, but as a victor. And I use every uh, each and every one of those. Struggles uh, of my past experiences to just make myself better. That's who I am. And
1: just in a nutshell, <laughs> in 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 a big nutshell. Well, I learned something new about you uh, with your intro. That's why I like guests that kind of intro themselves. I always learn something new because I didn't know that you were a, a stripper. Yes, That's in my past life. <laughs> in in. Right in in your in your past in your past life, but you know we're probably going to touch on it, especially you know if it, it if it relates to your domestic violence experience. So, yeah. with that being said, I want to give you guys. I'm going to kick the show off almost with some statistics. And these statistics come from National Coalition Against Domestic Violence. Their information is posted on the Define You Radio's Facebook page. Also, I gave it out last show because if you guys listened to the last show, you know, we had a young man that got on the line and said that he was recovering from domestic violence. And I do encourage you, whether you are a male, female, regardless of what relationship you may be in, you may be uh, being, you know, having violence, uh, put upon you by your children or your mate or cousin, it's domestic. Don't underestimate that term or think that, you know, because you're not a quote unquote typical situation that it doesn't apply to you. And I advise everybody to get help whether you're in the situation now or have been, there is very much a healing process to that. Um, So some statistics, one in five women and one in 71 men in the United States have been raped in their lifetime. This is a domestic violence statistic. Now, if you guys have been in that situation or know anyone that has what have you, you know, sometimes um, rape is very much a part of domestic violence. Okay, stalking is part of it. We know homicide is; it, it could lead to that. Um, another statistic: with this is children. One in fifteen children are exposed to intimate partner violence each year, and ninety percent of these children are eyewitness witnesses to this violence. So when you think about, a lot of times um, as kids. Grow up and they see this And this becomes normal to them And then later in life it, it Like I said It becomes normal to them And then they may end up in that situation I myself Witnessed domestic violence And I also Was in a domestic violence Relationship so do not Underestimate that statistic And what your kids May witness and how it affects Their lives So I just wanted to drop a few statistics with that. Like I said, that comes from the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence. So, Tashikia. Yes. Why don't you go ahead and tell us your domestic violence story? Well, my domestic violence story started out, like you said,
0: with one of the statistics is I experienced it right at my home before I even got into an intimate relationship. Um, I was not actually, I can't even remember the story, but my grandmother and my grandfather, I was a young child, they actually, uh, from what I understood, fought every day till it ended in his death. And then from there, um, and they say I was present when this happened, but I don't remember the event. But then from that, uh, my grandmother soon got into another relationship And that uh, relationship was a domestic violence relationship where there was a lot of cuss words. She, you know, called out her name. I witnessed her being hit on um, the, the, my mom and my aunts, they would jump into the fights with her and her boyfriend and it would just uh, result in just to physical altercations and even gun violence. I mean, I've seen them shoot at this person and it just was a horrible experience. And then, Growing up as a teenager, you know not the normal beatings, <laughs> you know, like you do something bad or you and your mom you know scold you or something like that, but my uh situation was more of a beatings uh to where it was um, abusive to where you know I was in a situation where I had to go stay with my grandmother because of um the basically the domestic uh, situation between my mom, as I recall, one of the events that took place is my mom um, telling me to lie to the police and tell them that she didn't hit me, that I got into a fight with some uh, girls. And I remember lying for her so that she wouldn't go to jail. But it seemed like that was, you know, as I trigger back to some of the moments when I got into the intimate relationship, it was like I was used to it. You know, it was the norm. It was the norm with my grandmother and her boyfriend. It was the norm between me and my mom when it came to uh, me being disciplined. It went too far. And then from there, by the time I got into the relationship with um, my ex-husband, it started out with just, you know, me feeling guilty, like I did something wrong that I caused him to hit me, and then I would hide it of course because I'm used to that because I I experienced that from my mom and then um the lying became more intense and then from there I just was lying for him all the time and then I it, it was he made me seem like it was my fault you know the way I said something to him you know it was my fault so that part of it you know became to be A mental abuse to me It's because I just thought That I was this horrible person And that I I didn't want Cause this person to hit me And blacken my eyes Um, You know It was just And I wanted to be in this relationship So bad Is because all the things I saw around me from a child have always failed or, you know, it was always violent. So I wanted this situation to work. So I thought, you know, if I talk nice in this nice way that this person wouldn't wouldn't attack me or hit me. But it didn't work. I mean, he's still, you know, out of nowhere, I can say anything wrong. And then next thing I know, I got a black eye. Or, you know, I'm getting my teeth knocked out. And then, you know uh my mother them used to say to me, uh, every time you um, get into a fight and it's a real bad fight, then you have a baby. So it was mm. like I had a baby, and then I, I let this person, which is my ex-husband, I let him just, like, suck up to me. I'm sorry. I won't do it again. And it became from being my issue to he had the problem. So then I went from accepting I was the problem to accepting he was the problem. But never really get into the root cause that nobody shouldn't be in that type of relationship. It's not cause for. And I remember one time being um, abused that I was being hit so hard in my face that I actually lost conscious. I could not hear Mm. in the room. I was being choked. And I was being hit in my face several times till both of my eyes were blackened. And I went to the hospital because I couldn't see. Somebody had to actually drive me. A friend had to drive me to the hospital. And I, had, I was full of willpower, like, okay, I'm going to do it this time. I'm going to leave. But it was just something that drew me back to him. I wanted to just, like, be with him just so bad. So, again, I get to the hospital I, you know, tell them that he did it. But when it came time for them to press charges on him, I would drop the charges every time.
1: Mm.
0: And it just, it just became a vicious cycle. Um, one time, I was chasing after him, trying to get him to uh, not leave me, and I received a um, a knife wound that resulted in 22 stitches that almost actually decapitated, like, my wrist. And when I got to the hospital, they said one more inch that um, it would have cut into a main vein, which is in my wrist. And that time, I lied again for him. I said that I got into a uh, fight at the strip club. (laughs) So it was lying, You know, blaming myself, accepting that he was the problem. And then when I, you asked earlier, when you asked was I a um, stripper and how did that relate to that, is because it got into the thing where he would use the strip club money as a means to not start a fight. Mm. So it was like, if I go make money and bring and share it with him. Right. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and then the money, you know, from the strip clubs came into um, let's go, go make some money so I can, you know, thank God I, it's past the limit of what is the statutory, where I can't it. Yeah. Be the, yeah. <laughs> the statute it of was, limitations. Yes,
1: that's what it's called.
0: And, um, it was like, let's go, make, go do that so that I can um, become this big drug dealer. And I was just so naive that I allowed him to to allow me to go, you know, work at the clubs as a stripper to, you know, try to, you know, quote, unquote, make him this big drug dealer. And mm-hmm. it just, nothing never worked. It just, nothing never worked.
1: mhm so how how did you because I know you said x, so how did you get out of that situation, and then I'm gonna circle back to a few things you said.
0: I had to come to find myself, and how I came to find myself was is that um I began to be around people that would believe in me, that actually started to build me up and to build my confidence up that, you know, that I was not a bad person. And without those people in my corner, I don't think I actually would have left, you know. And I would also say my faith, you know, just Mm -hmm. having a spiritual relationship and praying and asking for that answer. And when I finally received it, I just, that's when I knew that I had to do something different. And that um, it was life outside of him. I always mm. imagined that it wasn't life outside of him. Like life was was him. It was like this picket white fence that I'm gonna we're gonna be married for the rest of our lives. We're gonna have these kids and everything's gonna be beautiful. And this is the way life was gonna be. So mm. when I began to find those friends and that strong friendship that didn't judge me. Right, and they allow me to be me, then I was able to uh, find myself.
1: In In the process of this, while you were still with him, did you ever try to, you know, call like a domestic violence hotline or maybe talk to somebody about what was going on, or were you secretive about it? It wasn't
0: a secret. I mean, the family knew about it. Um, That's the funny thing. Um, It was almost like it was normal.
1: So they didn't, nobody didn't say, girl, you better leave that man or anything of that nature, like nobody said anything?
0: Well, they would say leave, but it was almost like a catch-22 situation, as I mentioned. I come from domestic violence in my right. with my family. So even though they would say leave, it was like I was leaving to go back to be right up under their bondage. Right. Um mm. and that's why I said it wasn't until I met outside friends right. that was not family that didn't judge me, didn't try to use like my kids or my car or you know things against me to kind of like keep me into another bondage situation is where I was able to see that I could make it.
1: Mm. Wow. So. So it's something you said, like you talked about how you would end up dropping the charges or lying to the police. I know, and you're in Michigan, correct? Yes. Okay. I know, like, here in Louisiana, when I was going through my domestic violence situation, in in Louisiana, you can't drop the charges. The state will pick it up. Because I, I would try, you know, like, I would call the police just to, like, get him out the house or just to show him that, you know, I'll call the police. I I don't care. And then, you know, he, you know, my ex would talk me into dropping the charges and but the state of Louisiana would pick pick it up so that's and i i'm guessing you know that probably varies state to state as laws change and different things like that change you know that if the state will pick it up because as when people are in those situations and if you guys know anything about domestic violence situations, whether you're in one or know someone that's in one, it's very much a mind game. It's very much mm-hmm. a, I'm going to hit you because you did this. Um, and I'm sorry. And then you feel bad. So then you're like, I don't want him to go to jail. So, you know, you do try to drop the charges, you know, Um yeah. So that's that's very interesting. But like I said, I guess it varies from state to state with, you know, with them picking up the charges and not saying that that would have that helped me get out of the situation because it didn't because, you know, the yeah, right. state, he, you know, the state here. And my situation was um about 16, 14. It was it was a while ago. So I don't know how the how the laws are here now, whether they're probably more strict because it is basically like almost like a fine, so to speak. And then you have yeah. to deal with the stalking, which is what I want to get into next, because what I do know, and I don't have the statistics in front of me, but what I do know is that one of the most dangerous times in a domestic violence situation is when you leave. Yes, is when you leave and looking and um, I'm looking at these statistics here and it it, it's about stalking. So it says 60.8 percent of female stalking victims and 43.5 percent men stalking report being stalked by a current or former intimate partner. So that means you know you finally you know. Decided to leave then that's a whole Other thing because frankly And let's be honest a lot of people look At restraining orders As just being a piece of paper And that That's sad but I do recommend In my situation I did Get the restraining order And it was more to protect Me if I would have had to Defend myself That way it it was recorded Um and i think a lot of women or or men think you know well a restraining order isn't going to work a restraining order isn't going to work it depends on how you look at it because god forbid if something happens that those police reports and that restraining order is could be the difference of self defense and and murder or whatever or however yeah. you may have to defend your yourself so that's just the reality of it. So when you when you left, okay, so you started finding yourself and started getting with outside people to help build you up. So what was your your next step? Because y'all had kids together and in my situation we didn't have any kids together. So it was kind of it was still hard but it was kind of easier for me to to leave. So how did you handle that because y'all did have kids together
0: that was the that was the most difficult part of the situation um because that's when things got real it's like I said it was like life and death situations that I was put in because of the kids you know um we you know when I left it was like I had to go into full defense mode. I had to go get a CCW. Like you said, I had to go get the uh, personal protection order because he was known for carrying guns, and mm. it was like, you know, threats put on my life. And I was, like you said, I didn't want to be the one who has a murder one charge being, you know, somebody in my family experienced that, I didn't want to have to go through that, and I wanted to protect myself, so I would try to get stuff on record as much as possible to, you know, uh, to prove that if something did happen, I was innocent. Right. So with the children being said, they experienced it firsthand of him, you know, coming to the house, stalking, you know, waiting till I get out the car, coming in behind me, You know, and the kids would see it, and he just really didn't care. You know, it was a situation one time where I grabbed for my gun, but it it, it jammed. And the Mm. kids were in the house. And he basically told the kids to go play. And he was, you know, we tussled in the room, and I thought I was going to die that night. Because he took my, I had a hoodie on, and he took it and just tried to suffocate me. And the only thing I remember saying is, I just kept repeating, I plead the blood of Jesus, and he finally let me go. And he just ran out of the apartment. So this was after after you left. This is after I left. So the stalking Mm -hmm. is real. Right. It's real. Don't take it for granted, watch your back when you get out the car, don't just be in you know, lie, la la da da because that's how it happened to me. Mm. Yes it did.
1: How old were your kids when you left? My son was four and my daughter was eight
0: and then my oldest daughter, I have three children. My oldest daughter was twelve. And still to this day, um, my oldest daughter, she has some detachment um issues with, you know, making friends. She you doesn't know, like to be close to people. And she's just like you know, she keeps to herself a lot. Hmm. My son, he doesn't remember it and my daughter She just doesn't, like, the middle one, she doesn't really, I think, in my opinion, really doesn't understand, like, why
1: we left. You know, she just thought, okay, daddy was just mad. So did they see the violence firsthand? Like, were they in the room at any points in time this happened? Or was it, like, kind of behind closed doors things?
0: With the two younger kids, it was more behind closed doors, but the oldest child witnessed it firsthand from the time she was 3 to 12.
1: Have you had, had that discussion with them, like a real talk discussion with them about, you know, what happened, you know, how this is not okay? So that way, as they go into relationships, they know that this is not normal. Yes.
0: I, I, you know, after, after I left when my oldest one, you know, she was the first one I talked to. And uh, of course, you know, she was, I don't, you know, her first reaction was, I don't know why you stayed for so long. It was more Mm. like she encouraged me, like it was okay. Right. Like, I don't understand like why, but, my my youngest one, he, he. it was the youngest who, it was more, it was harder to convince them, and it's still a struggle to this day. So I encourage women that, you know, you can never, you know, you don't want to turn your child away from their other parent. If it is, in fact, you know, that's their parent. But just to get them to understand that it's not okay to do that, can sometimes be um, challenging, especially when they didn't witness firsthand. Because it almost is like it's your word against their, the other parent. Mm. And it's still to this day, I I feel like I still struggle with getting them to understand what happened, the
1: younger two that didn't really witness it. Because your kids are, are grown now, right? Well my son, the youngest one,
0: he's only fourteen
1: and my daughter okay. the middle
0: daughter, she is she is um she's eighteen. And um the oldest one that witnessed it firsthand, she's twenty two. But the eighteen year old, um, you know, daddy is
1: still daddy. And so they didn't have a son, relationship with him.
0: Well my youngest son, because he left so uh, young, uh, his father don't have any type of relationship with him. And the middle daughter, she, grew, you know, she grew up in the house with her dad. And when we left, um, even though everything was going on and it was chaotic, she wanted to, like, be with the dad. And that's the part that I'm talking about, the manipulating part, you know, I was the victim in the situation, but he painted this picture to her like he was the victim. Mm. And then it became like she was torn between, it was like I could feel her being me in the situation, being manipulated. And it got so bad that he actually used her to uh, try to start a uh, child protective service case against me. Just wow. to get back at me, this is after I left because he basically wanted to paint this picture to this middle the middle child that I was the bad person, not him, and so we hmm. it was like I said, for any woman that's in this situation and you have kids, you gotta think about your kids. It's because you can heal, but your kids, the way they heal, you can never get that back. And it's always, it could, I'm not gonna say always, but for me, it seems like I, I, I see them, I see some, well, the middle child struggle with some issues, and I think it's because, okay, you know, this parent says this, well, this parent say that. Is this word her word against his? I love both of them, and I'm caught right. in the middle. And nobody's trying to, you know, make the child hate their parent. You know, you teach them, you know, like, okay, he did something wrong, but. You know I forgive him. That's how I have to come off all the time. You know, I forgive him, which I truly do because I'm not in the situation anymore. but it's just difficult
1: so. yeah do do you did you work during during that time and how and how long were you in that relationship? I
0: was in that relationship for twelve years from the time I was seventeen to I was thirty. And my and working in between that time, like I said, I worked at the um at the strip club for That's about right. three or four years and then I, you know, finally tried to break away from that lifestyle and try to get a real job. <laughs> so I worked in between that time but my attitude at work, you know, from my attitude now was horrible. I think I had this like rah 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 attitude. Like anybody coming me any type of way because I was going through this at home. It just was a bad attitude. I was the victim in everything. Like I can't believe this person said this to me. Why is she look at right. me like that? And it just it it was it was just a horrible attitude.
1: I mean, being in in a domestic violence situation affects your whole being. And the reason why I asked you about work because you know did your coworkers know and did anybody ever say anything to you about it because I know when I was in my domestic violence situation my coworkers that I knew everybody knew I'm like 99.9% sure of that but my coworkers I was close to you know we would talk about it and um they would notice, you know, when I when my makeup was extra heavy and everything. So, did anyone you you worked with ever say, you know, girl, what's what's going on? Um, do you need somebody to talk to? You know, what was that like? The at, during the last couple of years
0: of the relationship, he was so overprotective to where I couldn't have no friends. Hmm. The you know talking to people on the phone like he was right in the room. Couldn't go to the grocery store by myself. Couldn't go to the you know I'm gonna cut your hair. Couldn't go to the beauty salon. But I had this one boss that knew. I didn't tell her. She just said, I don't know when you when you let go of that fool, you are gonna be a better person. <laughs> right. But I used to be like, I don't know. You don't know what you're talking about. It was so much that it was no uh, relief to even talk to anybody about it. He actually started working at the same place I worked at. Wow. And it became not not the type of abuse that people can actually see on the outside. He started mm-hmm. being, it was more mental at this time, and body blows. And what I mean by that will be, oh, I'm just going to hit you in your ribs when nobody ain't going to be able to see that, you hmm. know, or... Um, You know, or just, and then that's where the most, uh, the mental abuse started towards the end. You know, people was used to what happened to me. Like I said, I got my teeth knocked out. I had my eyes black. I got, you know, I had the 22 stitches that I lied about. And, but it was, like I said, towards the end. It was, you know, I don't like that girl. You can't talk to her. Because he knew I was getting stronger. So it was Hmm. like he didn't want me to even talk to nobody.
1: Do you think, because I know you have, um, you know, forgiven him for the kid's sake, so to speak. Um, But I guess at this point, like, does he admit to his fault? Like, have you guys had that conversation in any way, shape, or form, where maybe he came back and said, "You know what? I had some issues. I apologize." Or is he like wash his hands with it? Complete denial about that situation.
0: He's in still complete denial because, like I said, he doesn't, you know, you know, reach out to the to his children. Right. You know, my son is his only son, and. You know, he's, like I said, he's in still complete denial. We stay in the same state here in city in Flint, Michigan, and it's just no contact. I, like, I don't even have his number. I don't even think he knows what school his son goes to. Um, like, my daughters, they, I shouldn't say they forced themselves upon them, but I don't think if they reached out to him, he would, he wouldn't call them. Mm.
1: Have you ran across and, him? by accident in, I don't know how big Flint is, you know, but have you ran across him since you left?
0: Oh, yes. Yes. In the beginning, if I ran across him, it was violence.
1: It was was
0: violence for actually, let me see, um, four years after I left. Four years.
1: That's Um, how long he stalked you?
0: Stalked me in bogus court allegations. He basically tried to destroy me after I left. And that was the words out of his mouth. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. post, the after the four years, 2012 moving forward, I I left in 2007. Uh, As I see him now, you know, people know us in the community. Flint is small. So it's small. The police even know me. Hmm. It's sad, like, because they came to my house so many times for domestic violence. Uh, I think when I went and got all the 911 reports, because I just wanted to see how many times did I call the police.
1: Hmm. And
0: I think I called over, I think it was forty times. Wow. Yes. It took them a week to gather all the police reports that had been ever filed uh in the situation and I I I wanted them as a reminder, you know, don't ever go back into their situation.
1: Like, Understood. You see that
0: big old file, don't go back, put that in a box, seal it away, but as a reminder, go get all of it and read what you see. Go back mm-hmm. and read it. And just to see, you know, the foolishness that where I was at at that time is just
1: is it, it, it wasn't cause for and it it makes sense when you're in the situation and doesn't at the same time um because I know with with me you know as as a woman and you know maybe I mean I would love to get a man on even if it's anonymously just to really talk about it from a man's point of view, because as women, it's a little bit more common, but I think only because we talk about it more. And I know when I pulled those, um, I think it was last year and I posted them on Facebook because I still Mm -hmm. had the the restraining order paperwork and I was reading it. And even though this was, you know, 2001, you know, up in that area, I was getting mad all over again. I'm like, you know what? I feel like I need to kind of go find him. You know, I had to pray <laughs> because I was like, how how dare you treat me like, like a dog really? That was what I, I read. And I, like you, you know, I kept them cause I wanted that reminder that, you know, because that was the first and only domestic violence relationship I was in and it was so traumatizing i'm reading the police reports um of when my son cuz that was one of the first things i taught Cameron was how to call 911 and um you know when he called 911 at 2 3 years old not knowing just no know, knowing he needed to call um like I got mad all over again and I'm gonna tell you what happened and it's no longer on the page but I posted the police reports on Define You Radio's Facebook page last year and some kind of way this man my ex made a comment on on that and he said his exact words was like um you know, I'm so sorry for what I put you through. I was drinking. Hope you could forgive me and everything. You know, something of that nature. And I left it up for like two, three days. I let one of my uh, friends see it and everything else. And but every time I looked at it, like it, it made me angry. It mm-hmm. it made me angry. And because uh, number one, we're not friends. So why? You know, like I went through this whole mental thing. And so finally, I just went ahead and, and, you know, blocked him, of course, and deleted it because I don't, I haven't, last time I saw him was when when I left, he broke in my apartment. Um, he peed on, on my clothes, right? He pulled all mm-hmm. my clothes out the closet. He peed on my clothes. So I filed a police report. When the police found him, he was extra drunk um on the railroad tracks on his way to my job and mm. they called me because you know of course at that time they were looking for him from him breaking in my apartment and they called me to identify him he he was so drunk in front of the police he was like I'm going to kill that bee I'm you know he was saying that in front of the police so um uh, mm-hmm. you know of course I went there and got out the car and I was like, Yes, that's him and you could hear, and when he saw me you could hear him just steadily hollering across the parking lot at the police station, I'ma kill her and all of this and everything else. Um and of course he was acting rowdy and everything else with the police. So put throwing him in jail was like no problem. But like I discussed on the last show, every time I did put him in jail, his job bailed him out. Wow. Yeah. And it's not wow. like they didn't know what he was in there for. And this is not like it was some million-dollar CEO type of job either. But every wow. time, his job bailed him out. And, um, oh, I get chills thinking about it. But I'll never forget yeah. that day. That was, you know, like I'll I'll ne- I, I will never forget that day because I'm like, what if he would have made it to my job? the railroad tracks weren't that far from the job I worked at the time, and if he was that wow. drunk that he halfway was passed out on the railroad tracks, which is what made somebody else call the police. What you know? What if he would have made it to my job? Wow. So um, yeah, but we're gonna. I have guys... another story. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go, no, sorry. no, I was gonna say um, you know, I'm gonna talk more about my story on on next week's show, I will be in my feelings. You might hear some anger in my voice because it just makes me, it makes me angry um, that anybody, whether it's a man doing it to a woman or another man, whether it's a woman doing it to a man, because I, I have known men that were in those situations also. But anytime you hit somebody like with your, like your full force, like you're fighting somebody on the street, like, yes. something, you you need to, something, you need to go talk to somebody. That's not normal. So, go yeah. ahead, Tashiki. I had got my feelings for a minute, girl. No, I had, like, no, a flashback. No,
0: you got to let it out because people got to, people have to really, they it's have, not about right. me. I'm in a place to where I can say because I'm in a better place now. But, right. I mean, it depends, you know, what situation I'm talking about because I have many stories. You know, but the story I'm gonna share is um when I had left, I was at the club, and I you know me, I'm so happy to be gone I'm out this- out this situation. I see him at the club, and mm. he me I'm feeling sorry for because 'cause I'm drunk. Let me add right. that, <laughs> and I'm like, it's gonna be okay, you know, you will go on with your life, you know mm. and. He caught me slipping and said, "Well, just let's talk about it. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna harm you. It's gonna be okay. So don't get women, whoever, man, don't get caught up with that. It's gonna be okay. I promise. I promise. I ain't gonna do none to you. You know, I just want to talk. So hmm. me being crazy because I'm drunk. Get in the car with this fool. And um, he, when I get in the car." He's at first, it's just all good. we're just talking, but then he starts up the car and plans to take me to his house. He takes my cell phone, breaks it in half, so so i I can't call nine one one but thank God, I got a little bit of military training. Don't you know when the cell phone break the bottom part still worked? It was a flip phone. that's a look It was a flip phone. I'll call nine one one they could still hear him right saying what he's gonna mm-hmm. do to me. And they dispatched with my cell phone tower to try to um, find me. So when he was talking and going ranting and raving, I was starting to take off my shoes in his car, and he slowed down the car just enough to turn the corner, and I jumped out the car, and I had to run and go hide in this lady's bushes. Wow. He He's and I knocked and banged on this, this woman's door and she would not let me in her house. I had just mm. on a dress, sundress from the club, with no shoes on. And he took, he unloaded a nine millimeter gun and unloaded the clip, yelling out my name, B. Where you at? I'm gonna kill you. I was planning to take you to my house and kill you. Mm. And I'll I could hear him unloading that gun, you know. The liquor by that time had sobered up. And I'm just like, right. how did I let this fool trick me? You know, so, you know, even though you out, don't let your emotions, you know, feeling yep. sorry for the person, think that you can talk to them. Because you can't talk to the devil. Ain't mm-hmm. no talking to the devil. It's mm-hmm. no talking to nobody that's evil. When they're evil, they're evil. So don't yep. think you can, you know... So I got
1: caught slipping with that. So I wanna just say don't do that. But <laughs> so I I'm literally saying, go ahead. I'm no, sorry. I was gonna say it, it does happen, um, because and it, it sounds crazy now, guys, and if y'all know me in any way, shape or form, I am a strong woman. Okay. Uh, And please believe being a strong woman has nothing to do. That doesn't make you any less strong if you are in a domestic violence situation, because that's exactly what it is. It's a situation. It is not your life. But I remember um, him playing those, you know, my ex playing those emotional games. I was feeling sorry because I'm like, you know, now he's lonely and, and by himself. And, you know, like I'm feeling guilty, you know, Because I left him by himself and he's, you know, um, and I'll never forget because when I left, I went and stayed with my baby sister and I remember like that first week that I was like officially gone. I cried myself to sleep every night and I didn't, Mm -hmm. I didn't understand why, how how can you miss the, the devil? Literally. Mm-hmm. literally. Mm-hmm. I, and I, and so then I was like, something is really, you know, really wrong with me, but I cried because I, I, I was like missing him. And if you could see mm-hmm. the look on my face, this is one of the reasons why I don't do the radio show live, but the, you know, cause some of the faces I make guys, I'm telling you, but the look on my face <laughs> right now is utter disgust, but I cried myself to sleep at least for a week and debated on going back because I missed him And Valencia. You could, you know, you could handle it, but cause that missing, it's is like an emptiness, but what, but what it is is because you have literally lost something. And I think that's probably why a lot of people go back because that loss, But that loss that you feel is for you to start putting something in there, start building your self-esteem and your confidence up. That's what that loss is about. It's not the loss of the relationship and you to feel the relationship back in that hole. No, that's where those pieces of you that were uh, broken and shattered in that relationship, that's where that's supposed to go. That's my experience. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yes and and what and so just piggyback on that, a lot of times, I don't even think it's the part that you miss them. I think that that whole you know like I think a part of you began to be okay with the drama. I think that yeah. it becomes your reality, and that you don't think that there's no other reality but that every day, so I think that a part of you the drama part that 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 you've created is is looking for that turmoil, and the, mm. the part of you that is not used to peace is yeah. is is like fish out of water, like what do I do? Where do I go? There's no drama today. And so it normally fish that's out of water, they go back to the water, which is the bad mm. relationship. So I think that for anybody that's looking to get out of that situation, you've got to see yourself happy first. That's going to yeah. be number one. If you don't see yourself happy, it's going to be hard when you finally do get out of the situation. Because I write in the in the book that even after I left, years after I left, I would wake up in the middle of night and scream to the top of my lungs, like, where am I at? Like, mm. I was, like, lost in the desert. And I knew that I had to begin to see myself in a different situation, although I was out of it. If you know, you think of it, twelve years. It's like twelve years of slavery. It's almost like the slave right. mentality that some people still carry on to this day. You know, you can't put yourself in that 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 reality anymore because we're not nobody's not there. You know, right? So I just, um, I think people that's that's going to be number that's going to be key is prepare to see yourself happy. Mm. <laughs> that preparation is key. It took me three years to even prepare to say that I was going to leave. Mm. And I'm like you. If you know me, I'm a feisty person. I'll fight you in a minute. But when it right. came to that situation, i fight you in a minute, your mama, and everybody else. But uh, when it came to
1: that situation, it just, like, had a hold on me. Yeah. It's, it's different. It, I don't know um exactly how to explain it in a direct quote from one of my aunts because even though my family knew I was in that situation even though I thought I hid it well nobody said anything until I got out of the situation right which is so funny mm. to me like nobody said nothing until I got out and uh, my aunt was like well I just couldn't believe you were in that situation because you would fight a lion and Mm-hmm. Okay, so why you didn't say mm-hmm. this to me While I was in the situation Maybe I needed a reminder Of my of that You know, but for the longest time And I said this the last show I didn't admit to myself that I was In a domestic violence situations cause, situation Because we were going Toe to toe We were like, you know, like, okay um, Something we say here in the south I don't know if people say it other places But it was like knuckle up You know, like oh, that's you, how I was you know, so, so I'm thinking, okay, you hit me hard. I'm going to hit you hard, hard as I, I'm going to hit you hard. We go you know, he had braids. I had tracks, you know, you pull my tracks. I'm going to pull your braids, you know? So I'm really just equating that situation. Just like, um, it's not domestic violence. It's just two people fighting. It's just us fighting, you know, and I can handle myself. I can handle myself. Um, I don't know. And it's, it's, it's crazy. I'm telling you, I'm catching flashbacks, maybe because of next week's show. Let me bring it back. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) it, it, it is. And then I think also when you are a strong woman, it's almost like you're in denial because you know, you're strong. So how my strong self, excuse me, get in this relationship. And you think you can handle it because you're, you know, you're a soldier. You're strong. You, you know, we give birth to babies. How I can't handle this man, but you're not supposed to. Not in that way. Right. To Shiki. I can't even say nothing else. And, right
0: no, you're fine. <laughs> and, and w- one of my fears was that I did not want to become my grandmother. Mm. You know, still to this day. I would actually back down and get beat up. I was knuckling up with him. I would actually right. back down is because I knew a part of me would kill him. I mean it it was one time that I actually shot at him and I missed. Mm. So for me it was more or less I better tone down is because I know I have the ability to kill him. Right, like I know me, like the devious side of me, <laughs> like yo, this nigga girl gonna like, go I to sleep. i going cook your food. i your
1: food. It wasn't Google but, back then, but I knew about arsenic. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so I, um,
0: for me, you know, and then my family, um, you know, I remember one time, you know, when I said about um, the, they called it a kidnapping. <laughs> because they said I went. When it came time, actually, that's the charges they put on his kidnapping when he mm. took me in the car, like I described. And like like here in Michigan, I couldn't drop that charge, you know. And right, so they general. made him stay. the. Yes. So they made him stay, I think, stayed in, in jail for about a week. But then when it came time, after the state charges was, you know, I think, really like the state of Michigan, it, it's like call a cool-down period, 72, and they can hold you up, up to 72 hours. So, mm-hmm. or they'll send you to court, and then after that, it's more or less, like you said, a fine. Like, you stay away from her, you know, and don't go back over there no more, you know, y'all move or something like that. But this time, my family encouraged me, um, and I can't call my mom a bad person for this, you know, I I can see her reasoning now, you know, maybe why she told me to drop the charges, she was like, uh, because my mom grew up, and she was a part of a domestic violence situation with her mom and um, my grandfather, and basically, you know, she was a teenager when he died, and she basically, you know, lost her dad when she was 17. So she told me, if you let, if you press charges, you know, on him, your kid's going to grow up without a father like me. Me being in mm. my emotions again. You know, The I remember, remember when the detective called me, I told him, drop the charges. And they were going to take him away this time forever. They were going to take him to trial. It's because they heard the 911 call. Right. And it was proof. But my mom encouraged me, drop the charges. And because I didn't grow up without a father, I'm like, I was being emotional again, like, okay, maybe I shouldn't. Uh, you don't want your kids to not grow up with a father. and You don't want you, you know, you strong enough. Like you said, you portray this image. I'm the strong woman. You know, I can get over it. I'm a tough girl. I'm a tough cookie. But you don't want them to say, my mama and my daddy was fighting. And basically because he did such and such, a, such a, to her. Now he's doing 10 years in prison. And so I dropped the charges. But when I think back over look at it now, you know, excuse my French, he ain't in their dialogue not nowhere. Right. So so women, men, can't use that neither. (laughs) Can't use your past experience and your emotions to try to dictate, you know, you know how some people say follow your heart but I say don't there was some stuff that feel right ain't right. Mm-mm. You got to do what's right Because even though that's you think quote. your heart Tell you that's right Your heart may may be wrong Because your heart to me is flaky Because yep. <laughs> I mean He ain't doing nothing for the son of no way So what difference hmm. would have made if I would have sent him Where he was supposed to go I'm just saying <laughs> So
1: what they say, see, uh, That's my hind- other point <laughs> That's your other point Hindsight is uh, 2020 and all of those quotes in that way. That's that's the truth. And if I look back, and guys, I know we have like two minutes uh, left in the show, but you know, it, it's my show. So we may go a minute or two over because this is a very important topic and some things need to be discussed because domestic violence is very much an issue. And You know, you see reports of people dying and losing, losing their life every day. And those are the things that we know. And Mm -hmm. another statistic on a typical day, there are more than 20,000 phone calls placed to domestic violence hotlines. Those are the phone calls. But a lot of times Mm -hmm. some some women or or men don't even do that. They don't even do that. So I, before we kind of roll out and close the show, I want to ask you this: um, relationships since then? Because if I'm not wait, are you married now? I think you are. Are you? Yes, I'm married now. Yes, I am. Did y'all have to have that dis- that discussion in the beginning? Like, look, I been in a domestic violence situation, if you get loud with me, I might, you know, I'm gun shy or whatever the correct terminology, because I do believe after a domestic violence situation, there is a period of a PTSD almost. Hmm. Yes.
0: So, yes, we we didn't actually have to have that conversation because for my situation, my new husband was my one of my people in my corner telling me you're better than that how mm. dare you let any man treat you like that Now how dare you let your children see that man treat you like that mm. so he treats me like a queen like I'm supposed to be treated he doesn't even raise his voice at all to me never has and we've been together for 10 years and Never
1: one day. Well, congratulations, number one. And uh, I, I would definitely say this: that I remember when when I left, um, there was definitely a period of PTSD. Like you breathe hard on me, I'm I'm gonna assume, and it might lead to me hitting you, type situation. Um, but I know I wasn't healed then, and in, in the healing took time uh, when me and my husband started dating and I told him you know that part of my life that you know we we discussed that um, but when he read the actual restraining orders when I pulled them out last year he got in his feelings a bit you know Um, Mm -hmm. basically like a, a man hit my wife even though of course I wasn't his wife then but it is definitely, that's why I encourage people to definitely talk to somebody and get that healing because you're almost always on, on defense. It's like a reflex. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, it's you it's, it's like a reflex. You get, you know, somebody will catch the wrong reflex because you haven't healed. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to add those my two cents on that. Tashikia, thank you you so much for being on the show and go ahead and give the audience i don't know any tips that you may have for them if they are in that situation and also let them know how they can connect with you
0: sure um the only tip I want to leave out there is get some good people that trust in you in your corner and you mm-hmm. can reach me at is it m a hunter seventy seven at gmail.com and my social media site is Tashiki Hunter so you can reach me on Facebook there. But that's going to be the number one uh thing I want to leave with you guys. Get good people in your corner that believe and trust in
1: you. Mm. Well thank you so much for that. And guys you her information is on the Define You Radio's Facebook page. So you just click on her name. You can find her that way, but I will make sure, you know, you guys connect with her and Miss Evelyn from last week, who just posted a comment on the Facebook page that says no woman should have to come home and fist fight their man or no man should, you know, hashtag amen. Thank you for that, Evelyn. And I want to encourage anyone that, it's in that situation Like I said earlier it is a situation It's there is life on the Other side of Domestic violence And even if don't say Oh he just cusses me out sometimes Or he just calls me He doesn't hit me he just calls Me out my name sometimes and embarrass Me at work that's still Domestic Violence yeah. I will go ahead Um and post all the different types of domestic violence and the signs because you know it's isolation, it's um, you know, and you think it's cute because he's jealous, you know, that he doesn't want you around other people. Isolation is one of those first clues that this may end up into a more serious situation. So, I want to put that on you guys's mind, Mrs. Hunter. Thank you so much for coming on Define You Radio again. Um, You already know you're part of the family here. I look forward to to seeing what you got. Yay. I look forward to seeing what you got up next. And thank you so much for being so transparent, especially because the statute of limitations have run out. (laughs) 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 Thank you for being so transparent and honest and sharing your story. So thank you again for that. Well, guys, you know, it's the end of the show. Thank you for listening. Pens and papers down. Class is officially over. Make sure you join us next week as we continue our series on domestic violence. Um, the number for the National Co- Coalition Against Domestic Violence is posted on Define You Radio's Facebook page. Get help, even if it's just calling somebody and getting it off your chest. Sometimes when you say it out loud, it makes It gives you a different insight into the situation. So with that being said, guys, thank you again for listening. I will see you next week, same time, same place. Have a great week, and remember, only you can define you. Thanks for listening to Define You Radio. Class is in session. Connect with the show at www.defineuradio.com. Pens and papers down. Class is over.